The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! The MVP award has been announced. The Coach of the Year award has been announced. Sacramento Kings finally have their new head coach. (gasps) Who is it going to be? Second round of the playoffs is actually heating up. It's gotten competitive as we've gone back uh, to the visiting team. And we also get into some listener questions. Also, really quickly before I say what I'm about to say, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but some people mad that I say, drop that motherfucking beat. That's not stopping. Drop that motherfucking beat. Cause I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. Sex in the air, I don't care, I love the smell of it. Six stones may break my bones, but Jason will sex like me. All right, let's get into some news around the league. The award that we've pretty much all been speculating on all year has finally dropped boy oh boy is it causing a stir oh you better believe it so we should probably get right to it drum roll please our 2021 2022 nba mvp is nikola Jokic again yes yes super cuts Jokic back-to-back mvp i tell you what people are mad People are very mad that the fluffy white boy is getting MVPs over Joel Embiid. Two now. Two now over Joel Embiid. Especially Philly fans. Philly fans are the maddest. Remember when, before this happened, I want to say it was a few weeks ago, they asked Joel Embiid how he was feeling about the MVP voting. And he said, if I win it, great. If If I don't win it, I don't know what else I need to do. At this point, I feel like they hate me. In Philly, I don't know why, you always have to do more. The standard for guys in Philly, or for me, is different than the standard for anybody else. I like the challenge, so it sets me up to step up my game and win games. Philly fans, not Joel Embiid, are hated. Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, probably the only likable thing about Philadelphia. Truthfully, the fans are trash, the food is trash, the city's trash, weather's trash. It's in between of New York and D.C. It's nothing other than a midpoint. Truthfully, their belt is broken. Their famous athlete is fictional in Rocky. The steps, no one cares without Rocky about those steps. Philly fans, never happy. They win the Super Bowl, and then they just clip their head, their Super Bowl winning coach the next year. Clip, clip them. That's it. That's what it is. So, yeah, to say that they are mad about MB being snubbed would be a vast understatement because they're already mad about everything else anyway. Just add that to the fucking list. Doc Rivers says, I truly believe Joel should be the MVP. I don't get in on this, but I think Joel should be MVP. Harden then says he is MVP of the league, despite the fact that the award has been given out and he is not the MVP. Even Kendrick Perkins wanted to chime in. Even Don Staley wanted to chime in. Kendrick Perkins says, I test MVP, says Embiid. Stats say Jokic. I'm glad I always go with the eye test. Carry on. Sorry, Kendrick Perkins, but the eye test isn't quantifiable. So, (laughs) it's also very bad on Twitter. 
Uh, but man, let's just look at the stats really fast that Jokic put up. Look how unguardable he was in the Golden State series. He won it last year, and he was even better this year. Let's do the stats. Let's do the stats thing. Talk about the statistics of it all. Nikola Jokic, total points created per game, 46.8. Next under him, Giannis at 45.7. Points created per 36, Nikola Jokic, 50.3. That's the number one. All of these these are number one, by the way, all these. Points Points created per minute of possession. This is the most bonkers stat ever. Points created per minute of possession. How many do you think? Just guess. Just think about it. Six? Seven? Minute? One minute? No. 10.8 points per minute of possession. That man is an impact everywhere. I don't see... I don't. Let me look here closely. I don't see Embiid anywhere on that list. Nikola Jokic, Giannis, LeBron, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Morant, Chris Paul, Luka, and James Harden. And listen, I like Embiid. He's one of my favorite players, despite him being in Philly. But that's just one element of the stats. Jokic also became one of three players in history to average over over 25 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. The other two, two guys named Russell Westbrook and Oscar Robinson. You know, guards. This guy, seven-footer, one of the greatest big men of all time. He's averaged 27, 14, and 8, which is absolutely absurd. It's up from 27, 11, and 8 from last year when he also won MVP, which means this season he was the first player in NBA history with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists. That is absolutely bonkers, and I get it. I get it. Jokic is ugly. Like, I get it. He's fat, sort of, and he's ugly. He's got back knee, and so you don't want to give him the MVP. Like, I get that. He doesn't look and feel and smell like the MVP. I struggled, and he is not from a place where MVPs come. Denver? Two-time MVP from the Denver Nuggets? I struggled as well. I get it. He shouldn't be this good and this soft-seeming at the same time. When asked why Jokic doesn't get as much credit or as respect as other back-to-back MVPs should get, he simply said, could care less. I could care less why I don't get respect. I am a two-time MVP. Even the biggest trash talker in the league, Draymond Green, said basically that Jokic is one of the toughest players he's ever had to guard in his entire life. He said, I told him after the game, thank you for making me better. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to play someone so skilled. And usually when you have guys that are that talented and that skilled, they are soft. And Jokic is far from soft. He's an absolutely incredible player. Preach, Draymond. Preach. I know. It's sad. It's sad for Embiid. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo for Embiid. Bad timing for Jokic to have the award leaked right after Joel Embiid pulled an undertaker, ripping this Philadelphia 76ers out of the depths of hell and bringing them back to life. It's a regular season award. Timing is very bad. Maybe it's actually good motivation for Embiid. Busted thumb, broken eye, bad back and all. And there's Embiid with a horror movie mask, just balling out, just doing his damn thing, sweat pouring off of his face, reminding people that he changes the game simply by just being there, which we'll get to a little bit later in the podcast. So, yeah. Also, for Embiid, you're probably thinking you've had this stolen now two years in a row. He was the odds-on favorite last year before he got injured, and then he was the odds-on favorite before Jokic started doing just incredible feats. So, I'm sorry. As they say, the best availab- the best ability is availability. And you know who's available? Jokic. Jokic is always available. I looked and saw how many games he played last year. All of them. He missed eight games this year. Joel Embiid has missed many games throughout the course of his history as an NBA player. There's always next year, Joel. Always next year. You will at some point get your MVP. Unless you get hurt. 
changed me personally Trista Crick changed the future of the Sacramento Kings franchise by leaking very pertinent news about one of their coaching candidates Mark Jackson but Mark Jackson was the favorite to land the Kings head coaching job until I dropped this intel on D'Lo and Casey's show on ESPN 1230 what was this piece of news that could have eliminated him from consideration altogether and pushed the Sacramento Kings towards Mike Brown instead? Was it a hot, hot take on a political issue that I overheard him say? Maybe a slur of some sort? No, of course not. Mark Jackson, who I love, I, I spilled the beans that Mark Jackson has only done 17 push-ups his entire life. Yep. I did. Uh, let's just go back to that clip really fast. I'm just because I don't want to say it again. We can just we just have the we have the proof. We have the receipts. We have the whole thing. Did I tell you guys I one of the very first things I did post sideline reporting was I I got Mark Jackson to do push-ups with me at the Drew League. You have not told us this story. I'm like freelancing at USA Today, and I'm just trying to like create some interesting off the cuff sort of social friendly content. And they had that 22 push-up challenge that they were doing for, I want to say, like suicide prevention awareness. So I, I went to the Drew League because I was living in L.A., which I don't know, for those who don't know the Drew League that might be listening, it's like probably one of the most poppin' amateur slash pro basketball leagues in the country, right? It's been going on uh, in South Central for 25-plus years. Tristan was in the trenches. Tons of star power there, like, the front line. I mean, Kobe's played in it before. Uh, KD came through, popped up. So there's like a lot of M- current NBA players that'll play in it, and like guys who are trying to come back up, right? Mm-hmm. So on the sidelines was Mark, and so I asked him if he would do the 22 push-up challenge with me. I had a little camera set up in the back near the locker room, and uh, they gave me like full access. The guy who started it, and he was like, "I've never done a push-up." in my entire life that's for that's crazy and he's like this will be my very first push-up when i was even in college i said no like i just wouldn't do them i didn't think that they and so now whenever i see him i'm like do you remember me he's like yeah you're the person that got me to do my very first and only push-up he was struggling struggling (laughs) i'm here with mark jackson who says he's barely done a push-up in his entire life i've done about 100 today because i had some angels I don't know, man. I don't know if we can have a coach that can't do push-ups, though, bro. Headline, do you want a head coach <laughs> slash leader that's only done 17 push-ups in his entire life? Oh, man. Maybe he's worked on it since then. Like everything else in life, maybe he's worked on it since, <laughs> since that embarrassing moment. He had to quit early, Mark Jackson. So... The Kings then just Eric skeet skirt swerved out of the Mark Jackson lane and dove right into Mark Mike Brown to the tune of a four-year contract and a mandate to make the playoffs. I'm talking about an hour after that news was leaked. Mm. Diving in four years to Mike Brown, huh? Four-year contract for Mike Mike Brown former Cleveland Cavaliers head coach with LeBron James, current Golden State Warriors assistant, bold, bold strategy from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, For those who don't know, Brown spent eight years as a head coach, including two stints in Cleveland, one as a Lakers head coach. We know how well the Lakers' last coach worked out in Sacramento. I think he's still on payroll, actually, right now. Uh, His best year, Mike Brown's, was 2006-2007, when he made the finals with Braun, got swept by Tim Duncan and the Spurs. Braun was only 22 at the time. And the last time he was with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, kind of having a young team like the Kings, actually. He went 33-49 and 49 with a second-year Kyrie Irving and uh, Anthony Bennett 
number one overall pick, probably one of the best, biggest busts in NBA history. So I'm not really sure what this Mike Brown situation is going to be like. I'm I'm guessing not great, but uh, I'm I'm very curious. How are you going to keep Dante DiVincenzo happy? Because he's apparently not happy. How are you going to convince Mike Brown's thing is defense? How do you get Demonis Sabonis to play defense? Let alone De'Aaron Fox to play defense. How do you find the way to make this offense consistent instead of insanely streaky? I don't know. This man, Mike Brown, which is absolutely insane to me, is mandating. He's already told the world, I am mandating we will go to the playoffs next year. Next year, playoffs? Talk about setting yourself up to get fired right away. Like, this team doesn't even seem capable of making the play in let alone making the playoffs at this moment. Like, the West is very competitive. Who, who, mind you, will be beating the, beating the Kings? Who will the Kings beat out? The Pelicans? Don't think so. The Spurs? Don't think so. The Wolves? They're getting better. Don't think so. The Nuggets with Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray coming back? Bubble Murray? No. The Blazers? Even the Blazers, who were committed to losing it was a full-on fledged tank they only lost three more games than the kings and they had their starters out they had their reserves out they sat their third string guys out they had drew eubanks multiple 10-day contract guy out there getting double doubles and that was it they were tanking on purpose and they still were pretty much the same as the kings so tell me mike brown how in the hell are you going to make the playoffs? Interesting stuff from Sacramento. We'll be keeping our eyes open on this. Very sad, though, about Mark Jackson. I almost feel a little guilty I leaked that, that push-up news. I hope in, in all truth, I hope in all truth that didn't sway anything at all because that would be a fucking shame. I be scrambling with lots of mobsters, shot for lobsters, cops and robbers. Listen, every block is block, block, but she liked the way I diddy bop. You peep that? Make one more be kicks. Plus Chanel ski hat. Please she stop that. So three games, three ejections, two series-altering injuries, and apparently, according to their respective teams, zero dirty plays. Zero. None. Lot of hard, tough-nosed foul calls, plays. You had Kyle Anderson going out. He gets ejected. Dylan Brooks gets ejected. Trayvon Green gets ejected. Bodies on the As I say, let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies. And so now we have a... Let's shed a tear. Just really quickly pour a little out for the homie, John Morant. Because we have a major series altering injury as a result of what some people think is a dirty play from my man Pool Party, Jordan Poole. Uh, first... First and foremost, John Morant not being in the series, potentially. He's going to miss game four tonight. That is awful. Nobody. I think there's no more electric player in the league to watch on a night-to-night basis than Ja. I've been on the record on that all year long. And I think that's pretty much the case for almost every true NBA fan. But but it's it's kind of how he got hurt, how his knee got twisted that has been causing quite a bit of stir and controversy. The play that everyone, including Jaw himself, pointed to in Game 3 about the Warriors when he got hurt was this like very bizarre play. So Jaw's sort of on all fours, going for the ball. Jordan Poole also going for the ball, pushing Jaw out of the way while somehow going for the ball, but instead of, instead of reaching the ball, he, he reaches Jaw Morant's kneecap. And it twists while he's pushing Jaw the opposite direction when he already has any issues. Reaches out his hand, pulls the leg, pulls his leg slightly towards him, seemingly putting the knee in a twisting motion. Jaw Winston Payne never comes back again. Kind of looked a little cheapy cheap. No flagrant called, no suspension. Jaw then tweets out, check this drama, broke the code in reference to Steve Kerr's presser about Dylan Brooks's play on my man Gary Payton II. So he tweets out, with that video, broke the code. Then he later deletes the tweet, probably because someone from PR told him 
not to have that up. And turns out Internet Sleuth, though, then pointed to an earlier play where he banged his knee up against Clay Thompson's knee, where maybe that was the first injury. Not sure. Not sure. All I know is that John needs to come back safe. He's questionable for game four. Taylor Jenkins says most likely he's out, but we have no confirmation on this yet. So now the Grizz have their backs to the wall. Feels like we've had this pretty much all year, multiple times. John Morant going out, the Grizzlies expected to do absolutely nothing, and then the Grizzlies continuing to shine. Grizzlies, 19-2 and in the first 21 games that John missed this year. Why? Well, Tyus Jones moves the ball really well. He never turns the ball over. They're kind of like a version of what the Dallas Mavericks are when it's just Jalen Brunson on the floor and no Luka. They just pop the ball around. Nobody's the dominant scorer. It's kind of like a group organic effort on really who's going to get the open shot, right? It highlights how good Tyus Jones is as a playmaker. And as we talked about before, he is the best in the league at that. His assist-to-turnover ratio is number one in the NBA. So you've also got now Dylan Brooks might have more looks. You're going to have more looks for Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Maybe they go big and they bring Stephen Adams out. Maybe he goes to the block. But I know that I feel cheated, truthfully. I think you probably felt cheated too. No John Morant. This thing needs to go seven. This series might end early, and now Golden State's get rest, and now they end up playing a beaten-up Suns team, may or maybe the Mavs. And, like, we can't have an easy road for the Golden State Warriors. We just cannot have that. We cannot have that. That's not how the series was selected, ordained to go down. Hopefully just one game for Jaw out, and he'll be back. But never say die. The Grizzlies can steal yet another game without their heart and soul on the court. But as my mom would say, John needs to take. She texted me last night. She said, you know, Ja, he's a superstar, but really he's playing a little out of control. I'm worried about his health and safety. I think he needs to just kind of like pump the brakes a little bit, pick his spots. Thank you, Mama Crick, for that sage advice. John Morant, yes, has. In fact, every year so far in his career, played less games every year, each year as an NBA player. So he got, he's got he got to figure out how to stay completely healthy because that, the way that Derrick Rose went down, the way that Allen Iverson was always getting hit, I definitely want to see Ja have more health success yeah. than that. So prayers up to Ja. Hope he comes back soon. Back home smoking legal. legal. I got more slaps than the Beatles. Foreign shit running on diesel, dog. Playing with my name, that shit is lethal, dog. Who you say what? Don Corleone. Trust me, at the top it isn't lonely. Everybody acting like they know me, dog. Don't just say it now, you gotta So we gotta talk me. about this uh, heat sixer series because man, they looked dead, didn't they? They looked so cooked, and Joel Embiid wasn't supposed to play in Game 3. He was possibly even going to be out Game 4, and like I said, if Joel Embiid misses three games, they're down 3-0. That's just the facts. So he could not have come back fast enough. He pulled what everyone is calling an undertaker, literally saving the Sixers' playoff hopes, literally saving the direction that this franchise is going, and now... Series 2-2. Series is tied up, going back to Miami. Somehow Miami all of a sudden looks like trash when Joel Embiid gets out on the court. And now let's look at how we got here. First and foremost, the Sixers are shady as fuck. Like they are. They said Joel Embiid was out for Game 3. I placed my money on the Miami Heat thinking that Joel Embiid was out for Game 3. They said then later on in the day, this was at 12.30, he's doubtful for game three, but he has passed concussion protocol. Something didn't feel right right then. Something did not feel right. And then right at tip-off, they put him in the fucking lineup. Was that shady? Was that shady? Was that against the rules? Absolutely, yes. They got a $50,000 fine for that. And they're like, we don't care. <laughs> we don't care. You thought our star player was out. You didn't even prepare for him. You thought that his eyebrow, eyebrow was broken. And uh, as a result, we had the game within the game, and our gamesmanship just 
for $50,000, we are now tied 2-2. 50K, that's not enough. They need to start taking draft picks for this shit. That's like a seat. That is legitimately... (laughs) What are we even talking about? Like, they're going to now get a game... They're going to now get a game six. They'll get a game six that they would not have gotten. That's $50,000 a drop in the fucking bucket. All the ticket sales for game six go to us, the NBA. And the betters. We got screwed. You can't do that. Anyway, goes out with this mask. He has this custom-fitted mask. How do they they get the mask so fast, by the way? Custom-fitted mask for his eyebrow bone. He's just... Kind of felt like they thought he was going to play a lot of earlier events. Feels like it was, what do they call it in murder, um, premeditated. Seems like the mask and the play was premeditated. What does Joel Embiid do? Everything. Everything. He gives you 30. He doesn't win MVP. That's what we know he doesn't do. 15, he can get 15 rebounds, he can get 10 assists, and everyone around him just automatically gets their cape on as well. Like, they are Clark Kent, and when Joel Embiid's on the floor, they become Superman. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. Fascinating thing as well, Doc Rivers said Joel Embiid was on a minutes restriction. Joel Embiid's going to be not in the game nearly as much. He's not feeling good. He hasn't seen a cell phone in seven days, first day. We're going to just just keep his minutes restricted. How How many minutes do you think he played? 36 and 38 minutes. This shit, this is why we hate Philly. This right here is why we hate Philly. And then, here's another little tidbit of information. So I'm listening to the uh, pregame, getting a little swole on at the gym, listening to a little pregame from game four from the guys, commenters, commentators uh, inside of uh, Wells Fargo Center, guys who covered the Sixers. And they said... If you just look at the two rosters, and they said this with no irony, if you just look at the two rosters between the Sixers and the Heat, and they did the we thing, we're just better. We're just much better. And I was like, really? Is that true? Because I don't know if it is. Joel Embiid is the best player on the court for both teams, sure. From there on, we go down the list. Is... Jimmy Butler. So, okay, so you say Joel Embiid's better than your best player. Is that Jimmy Butler? I guess. So, Joel Embiid's better than Jimmy. Who's better than Bam on the Sixers team? Is it Harden? Don't think so. Is it Tyrese Maxey? Don't think so. 1-1. All right, so then you say, okay, what about... uh, what about Victor Oladipo? Is your role players as good as our role players? Like, who's better on your team than Victor Oladipo? Like, who's better than Tyler Hero? Is Tyrese Maxey and Tyler Hero about the same? I guess. Like, you cannot say this is a better roster all in all. You don't even have a bench. You don't even have You have a six- or seven-man rotation. You have a man, Georges. Georges Nang. He can't even shoot threes. That's what he came in to do. You got a man, uh, Ferkmeen. Cork Moss, he shoots with two hands, like Jaron Jackson, like like a like my ten year old cousin, like what a girl cousin, and anyway, that is just a very side road. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about James Harden finally doing the things that he needs to do. He has a huge game, but the, another reason that the Sixers end up winning Game Three, Game Four, is that they just are making an absurdly high percentage of shots. With, like, almost no, to- no time on the shot clock. Heat defense is stifling. They throw up a fucking prayer, and the prayer goes in. Spolster said they've had a handful of possessions that went all the way down to the ha- shot clock, all the way down to the end of the shot clock, and they made big shots. The Sixers were 13 for 17 and 6 for 8 from 3 in the last six seconds of the shot clock in Game 4. Do you think that's something that you can count on moving forward? Also, I think Miami was like 27% from three when they were the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. These are what we would call statistical anomalies outside of the bell curve of what you can predict. I'm not going to say that it's impossible, but it feels like things are going to shift again once we get back to Miami. Also, back to James Harden really quickly. 
Game four, 31 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. Just an absolute old-school vintage Harden performance. One of those, like, I said it on Twitter, one of those, hey, girl, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I'll ever be. And that's what he was. And that's what he was. Also, another little tidbit I want to kind of talk about is, like, Miami has looked awful. They are... It's not really the worst to lose two on the road to, to a good opponent, especially with Joel Embiid. But, like, listen, where is Duncan Robinson? Where is he? This man makes $16 million a year. He's your three-point sniper. He played, like, one minute in the last four games combined. He's not even out there. I haven't seen him. He played one minute, but I have not seen him. Max Struess. Max Struess is getting run over Duncan Robinson, apparently there's something about his defensive efficiencies or something. Like, you guys can't score. What are you talking about? He's been so invisible that his agent tweeted this out this morning. Swear to God. Exactly nine, this is what, (laughs) Twitter. Exactly 19 months ago today, Duncan Robinson put up 26 points, including seven threes in a win in the 2020 NBA Finals. Gee, wonder why he would tweet that out right now. People around the world are wondering, when will we see him? What is going on? I even see this from a Twitter, uh, random Twitter user that says, Duncan Robinson to Eric Spolstra on the, on the uh, bench. Uh, give me a chance, give me a chance, give me a chance. Give me a chance, give me a chance, give me a chance. I love Twitter sometimes, man. It's the worst and the best all at once. Lowry doesn't have it. Lowry is old. He's old as shit. He's missed so much time this year. He's missed, what, 19 regular season games for personal issues, four playoff games during this round of the, like, this round and last round of the playoffs. During those games that he's played in the playoffs, six points per game. Uh, his career average is around 15 in the playoffs. Uh, and before, uh, after DeMar DeRozan left and before he went to Miami, kind of that peak Kyle Lowry time, he's averaged over 16 points per game. So, 6, 12, like two-thirds less almost. That's, that's really fucking bad. Kyle Lowry, sit your ass down. Put, put my man Gabe Vincent in. So good stuff there. Can't wait to see what happens. This thing feels like it's going seven now, which I guess it's okay. We get free basketball. We get free basketball, so that's all that we can really ask for. And I want to see more James Harden. I want to see him keep that keep that up. I've been calling, trying to get a hold of you. you yeah, yeah. Feeling lost and I don't know what to do. Can you get back to me? So can you get back to me? All right, let's get into some quick can questions from listeners. Really quick. First question. Can Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic together win a championship? Fascinating question. I, no, 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 they cannot. There is big news right now on the Jalen Brunson front. It looks like Mark Cuban apparently has decided that after not extending him and not having contract discussions all offseason, he is now going and is ready to break open the coffers and keep Jalen Brunson in Dallas. 20-something million dollars a year alongside Luka Doncic, alongside some of these other randoms that are on the team. That is that is huge, huge news. One, that changes the dynamic of what Dallas is and can be and probably how you should build the roster around them. And it's also huge news if you're a New York Knicks fan because Jalen Brunson has been highly coveted to go to the Knicks. I would love him on the Blazers. According to Mark Berman at the New York Post, one league source who has spoken to Cuban during the playoffs told the Post he'd be shocked if Cuban didn't keep Brunson, who averaged 28 points in the first round series versus Utah. That's absurd. 
That does not bode well for Leon Rose's Knicks as they search for a premier floor general. Here's a little tidbit of news. Leon Rose, the head honcho uh, for the New York Knicks, his son, Sam, and Aaron Mintz are Jalen Brunson's agents. Leon Rose's son is Jalen Brunson's agent. Things could get very ugly, very ugly. Last part is fascinating. And add that to the fact that Cuban apparently will not sign and trade Brunson to go elsewhere. Just remember when um, DeAndre Jordan and do like and it's like we had the situation where Mark Cuban was circling his house and like knocking on his door because he just couldn't let DeAndre Jordan go. And DeAndre Jordan's like, I've changed my mind. Like this is a Jalen Brunson situation where like, he's not even going to allow him to do a sign and trade. It's like. You either pay for Jalen Brunson on the free agent market, or that's it. I don't care if we lose him for nothing. You just have to figure it out. Like, that's where they're at. Knicks probably then go all in on Tyus Jones. There's been some rumors about that, so we can go in on that at a future future date. So the question is valid. Does Jalen Brunson and Luka, can they win a chip? I feel that both of those two together are very similar guards that are ball dominant that want to get their shot off. Jalen Brunson, probably a better playmaker than Luka. Probably a better table setter than Luka. Luka's more of a pure scorer. But Jalen Brunson's like 5'11", isn't he? He's like 5'12". He's like not, he's not quite six feet, but he's not like, he's not got short, he's too small. He's too small for that backcourt. And he's going to be a starting point guard with Luka. I'm not sure how that works. Can they do it? Possibly. Is it possible in this loaded West? Like, how do the Mavs beat the Pelicans with how long and rangy they are? Brunson, headed for a $25 million a year payday, would not be shocked. I'm guessing five years, 123. That's what I'm guessing. Woo! That's a lot of cheddar. Thank Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and and also whoever hurt Luka Doncic the end of the last game of the season where Jalen Brunson got a chance to shine because this man is going to get paid. He's going to get so paid. All right, next question. Who do you think is the breakout player, the biggest breakout player of this year's NBA playoffs? That's a good question. There's a lot of them. I would say Jalen Brunson for one, but... The player that's, like, broken out to the point where we're now getting, like, like economist.com, like, think pieces written about him, like, Heritage Foundation is, like, let's dissect him, uh, is Jordan Poole, Poole Party. First met him uh, when he was a freshman at, at Michigan when they went to the Final Four. Great kid. Always is going to be, as Patsis would say, great kid, went to Michigan. No, so... Jalen uh, Jordan Poole was always going to be a score first guard. He was like six two and a half, six three as a freshman. He grew another inch. He's six four now. And what Golden State has done and does is identify and develop these players in a way that takes them from being like pretty good, like Draymond Green, to absolutely indispensable. And that is what happened with Jordan Poole. You're you're you have a guy Jordan Poole. Who, it's like if you could steal the DNA from Steph and Clay and put them into one, like just really, really good. He is the hardest worker on the team. His change of direction is crazy. His size is like Clay. His shooting ability, his handle, his footwork, his balance. Like I said, he's like this hybrid, and now he's like a killer. He is wanting to absolutely embarrass and demolish the other team in a way that you only really get in that Golden State system where they just clown other teams. They beat Memphis by 30 the other night. Memphis took out their their first team, and Golden State kept theirs in. That's how petty they fucking are. And where early on in the year his confidence got shook, and we talked about that, I want to say, like maybe a couple of months ago, 
when Steph went down with his ankle injury, they basically gave the green lights to Jordan Poole and said, shoot as much as you want. Do whatever you want. We're not going to pull you from the game. And as soon as that happened, it was like he took off on a rocket ship. And now I think he not only is a breakout player, but has solidified himself as a star within a team of stars. And and definitely Golden State's going to have an interesting situation on their hands where they're going to have to go super deep into the into the luxury tax because Jordan Poole is going to get paid like, I mean, Jalen Brunson's getting 25. Jordan Poole's getting like 28, 29. I mean, if Tyler Hero's getting 37, then Lordy, what is Jordan Poole worth? Last question, I think. Yes. Are the refs going to steal another ring from Chris Paul? Feels like it, doesn't it? Feels like it. They just don't want Chris Paul to win one. Every time he comes close, they bring in the hatchet men. The Tony brothers, the, my man, uh, what's his name? Scott Foster. Scott Foster game. And Chris Paul now, not only had his one of his worst games of his playoff career, more fouls than he had points. He's now been trolled and his family has been physically assaulted by Mavericks fans, which, like, did not see that one coming. So here's how it went down. Game four, blowout loss, the Mavericks. Chris Paul had more fouls, like I said, than points. So let's break down these foul issues really fast. He goes to the bench with a minute 52 left in the second quarter before Monty Williams put him back in the game with 45 seconds left. Pretty Pretty dumb decision because Chris then gets his fourth foul with one second left in the second quarter trying to rebound his own miss. And now that puts Chris Paul becoming a target. Now, even Monty admitted, yeah, I probably should have kept him out of the game for that last 45 seconds, especially right before halftime. So then in like clockwork, Chris Paul commits his fifth foul in the third minute of the third quarter, sits the rest of the quarter. You don't think that changed things? Starts the fourth quarter, fouls out with 8.28 left in the game. Of course the Suns lose that game. Without Chris Paul for pretty much the majority of the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter, yeah! Now we've got 2-2, and the Suns are in a dogfight. Not even the full story. So apparently towards the end of the game, Chris Paul's family harassed by... Some pretty shitty Mavericks fans. You can see from the video, if you look it up on Twitter or Google or whatever, apparently put hands on both his wife and his mom, causing Chris to lose his goddamn mind. He said to the fan, who I think was like 12, I'll see you later. Like, just just this very skinny high schooler, middle schooler, very douchey looking. Maybe he's college age, maybe he's not. Apparently, he was escorted out of the stadium. My thought is, one, Chris Paul definitely one of the better players in the NBA in staying out of foul trouble, one of the better players in the NBA in drawing fouls from his opponents. So felt a little refy, a little refy, refy to me. But in terms of the fan behavior, shit like this has just got to stop. We can't have that. Remember when uh, Russell Westbrook was called names in Utah? Uh, three jazz fans were, were tossed from hurling racist remarks uh, towards T and Jamie Morant, John Morant's dad and mom in last year's series. Well, we know, it's, we know what Utah does. That's like them. But we can't have other fan bases start piling on as well. Charles Barkley, just to kind of give a little like side road, came up with a solution uh, to things like this. I want to kind of play it just to get your thoughts on on whether you think this makes sense. I thought it was a, an interesting idea, I would say. Some of the stuff these fans say, let's take them right down to center court for five minutes. <laughs> I've always said that. Some of the crap they said to you, hey, let's give me five minutes to center court with them and to say, you ain't going to press no charges. 
Nobody going to get it. No, and no, ain't nobody going to be sued civilly. Say what you just said to me right to my face right here for these five minutes. I'm going to beat your ass, beat the hell out of it you. Would, it would take you five minutes? <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to take my time. I'm not going to beat them up quickly. I'm going to jab them a little bit. Then I'm going to lay the haymakers on their ass. Well, obviously, I hear you, Foreman. <laughs> Charles Foreman. In a real world, in a real society, you know, other than the yeah, I mean, hit him. Hit him with this. Hit him fast. Hit him slow. You put somebody, if Charles Barkley in his prime beat the shit out of a fan in center court and they had to sign like an NDA, non-sue, non-nothing, it would just take one time for a fan to get his ass completely ripped up right in front of everyone for people to be like, yeah, this shit has consequences inside the arena. We're stepping inside of some things. So, Suns now at home. They're heading home 2-2, just like the Sixers versus the Heat. We now have a dogfight on our hands in both of these series. Here's the things that I know. Bet on the Suns at home. Chris Paul's not going to foul out again. If you're a better for points props, bet his points props as well. He sure as hell isn't going to have seven turnovers, and he definitely, definitely will not have more turnovers than points. Season finale of Winning Time dropped last night. Man, am I sad. Sad it's over. Kind of like one of those, I don't know if it was just what was going on in my life last night, but it was one of those anticlimactic endings to a degree. Lakers, as you recall, were facing off in the finals against the Sixers and Dr. J in the final episode, and that's pretty much what it revolved around, as well as two very real-life incidents very dramatized for TV. Number one, injury to Kareem. Horrible injury. Can't play in the series anymore. He lands awkwardly towards the end of game five. He rolls his ankle. Looks awful. He wants to play. It's probably broken. League MVP. Sideline for the rest of the series. Probably out for the season. And now the Lakers are in disarray. They've got no crackhead uh, on their team because they kicked him off. Uh, so they don't know what to do. Whole lot of problems now because Spencer Haywood's no longer there, right? Haywood's thinking maybe he's going to get called back to the team, even though he's literally, pl- I think this might be- pl- even though he's planning to kill the Lakers as this is all happening. Okay, call never comes. He gets even more mad, even more sweaty. I don't know. I think there's more drugs involved. And then instead, in an event. Etched in NBA lore, you've got Jack McKinney coming back into the fold, giving his advice on what to do without Kareem in the middle. What do they do? They they put they put Magic Johnson as center. What? Even old man McKinney with his concussed-ass brain gets a redemption arc. Having been fired, he still sends his notes off. Lakers then run out to a big lead. Magic gets gassed. At the right time, when Magic seems to have lost all of his marbles, he's completely in disarray, tired as all get out from basically carrying this team. Pat Riley comes up to him and he says, 60 to three. And he goes, what? 60 to three. That was the vote. That was the rookie of the year vote. Larry Bird got 60 votes and you got three. And nothing pissed Magic off more than that. Lakers then go and lay the wood to Philly. Philly goes, stays home, losers, as they almost always do. Love watching Philly lose. Awesome to beat in this case, like it's kind of good that you get the win on their court because they have to have to watch it and go home on that long, shameful walk. Tag for the show is where Kareem, one, gets the, the MVP of the finals taken from him because you've got the commissioners, Adam Silver, Davis Stern, the rest of the folks in the mix in terms of deciding how the narrative of the NBA is going to go. Instead of giving it to Kareem, they give it to Magic because Darth Vader won Rookie of the Year and Luke Skywalker ends up getting the MVP of the finals in a ring. Then 
Then Jerry West decides to join the Lakers front office, even though he's pretty much there the entire time. Jeannie Buss gets passed over. At first, Jerry Buss wants to hire his sons, who are total chuckleheads, cannot believe they're even involved in this in this like family business. And then Claire Rothman ends up getting VP in the treasurer job of the Lakers. Jeannie on the outside, can't wait for season two. Next season, we're going to get a whole lot of Pat Riley versus Paul Westhead, a whole lot more Magic versus Bird, and all the internal drama that was the greatest show on earth. Cannot wait. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back in a couple of days with a new episode. Follow the Heat Check, please. As we get deeper into the playoffs, do not forget to download, subscribe, tell your friends every damn one of them. Follow us on social at Heat Check and just click on TikTok. Mark the question, the enemy, the brothers of a dark complexion, the governments of the world, the shark infested, they have the own weaponry like Shark and Heston, man, look, it gets low, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.